Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, Scott Cochran has accepted a job in Athens as Georgia's special teams coach. We have heard opinions ranging from this being the, the end of Alabama to this not mattering whatsoever. What was your initial reaction when you heard the news? How many different ends to a means is there when it comes to the Alabama dynasty dying? I mean, it feels like, uh, you know, they can take multiple arrows before they fall down. This is like the seventh, you know, it, the seventh end. Yeah, no, no kidding. And, you know, how many horses are in the sky, you know, before the apocalypse is here? Like, it's pretty crazy to me that it happened this late. You know, honestly, he almost left over the last two years uh, to go to Georgia. I know he also was entertaining a position with Lane Kiffin on the field as well. But it's not surprising. The big thing with Scott is he wanted to get vested in the state of Alabama for retirement purposes before he ever left. He has bigger aspirations, and I don't blame him. He's by far been one of the biggest keys and cogs to the Nick Saban element in Tuscaloosa. But to me, I don't think it's as major as some do, especially when you look at how the entire regimen has been consistently the same in terms of the training and the style that they do. But with the injuries that have happened even before any type of physical contact over the last couple of seasons, uh, some of that has to be put on to, you know, how they've been trained. So we'll see. It's interesting that, you know, Georgia, they always had problems with knees before and we'll see what happens now. Yeah, The only feeling I had was one of indifference when I heard it. And that's still the case today. And maybe I should view this as a bigger deal. I don't know. But for some reason, I can't. I think had this news dropped in 2015, I would have taken it a lot harder than I did this past week. And like you said, the the injuries over the course of the past few seasons are 100% why I feel this way. 100%. Yep. Yep. It's not that I don't want Scott Cochran in Tuscaloosa, but after what has happened recently, I'm open to the idea of trying something new, and I know that I'm not the only one who feels that way. No, exactly. I mean, Nick Saban would have made some type of position available for him if he truly wanted to keep him. But sometimes thing, things run its course. You yeah, know, you can yeah, only do on so the field, much. On the field, a guy that's never had experience on the field? Well, it'd be no different than some type of – I don't know how he would have classified it. He would have made it happen. But he obviously, this was not an end-all, be-all for him. This isn't the beginning, like I said, of this ever being a possibility. So Saban's had years to plan for this. Yeah. And honestly, he probably had years before of a plan in case it happened, knowing him. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm with you. I feel like if this was five years ago, way different story. It'd be more significant. But to me, between him and Sark, had Sark left, this wouldn't even be a major topic in, in terms of the significance moving forward for the dynasty. I will say this. Had Sark left before signing day, oh I, would, I would have been in meltdown mode. Uh, opposed to Scott Cochran. I, I, and I can't believe, I, I can't even imagine myself saying this like three years ago, that I would care if Steve Sarkeesian left Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I would have. I would have. That I mean, would have mattered more to me. That that just goes to show you. I mean, time changes everything, man. It does. Things run a course. Yeah. And it is in, incredible how one year makes such a difference. Yeah. And uh, let's even talk about how, you know, you got Charlie Strong coming to Tuscaloosa. That's you know, right. I mean, that's th- that's awesome. I mean, back in November when he got fired, I was like, okay, well, I can't wait to see Charlie Strong at the capstone. And, and lo and behold, here he comes. And I, I think that's – you lose something with Scott Cochran in terms of relating to the players, you know, and that fam- familiar fam- – yeah, wow. 
familiarity. I, I'm not even going to be able to say that. Okay, so you I'm lose something in, in, in terms of. I'm not even, even going <laughs> to edit that out. <laughs> don't you do that? <laughs> don't make me go Jay and Silent Bob real quick. You drop the f bomb song. Um, so you lose something in Scott Cochran that I think you get in Charlie Strong, and that's the uh, being able to to relate to players. You know that that role that it's just that continuity, I guess of this is a guy I can attach myself to the hip. He gets it. You know, he understands me, you know, where I came from, things like that. I think you're going to get that with Charlie strong and dude, it's freaking Charlie strong. I don't care about the head coach side. I care about the defensive side and exactly. he's nothing but an attribute and my God, do we need it? Yeah. And they get him in, he's not even on the field. Like they get yeah. him as an off the field analyst basically. Yeah. So, I mean, how valuable is that, that you get a guy of Charlie Strong's stature or, <laughs> like, the amount of credibility that he has in the coaching world and you get him off the field? Yeah, and, and dude, but you want to tell me the dynasty's dead. Yeah, get out of here. When you're still getting coaches with this name and the weight it carries, I don't yeah. care what the record speaks. At the end of the day, that is significant still. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what I really – like, go, kind of going back to the strength and conditioning thing just for a second, you know what I realized today? Like – I am ignorant when it comes to strength and conditioning coaches across the country. I tried to name as many as I could earlier off the top of my head. That game did not last long. I didn't even know it was a game. I mean, <laughs> I mean seriously, like how, how many strength and conditioning coaches do you think you could name off the top of your I'm not asking you to do it, but I'm saying like just what number do you think you could name? The, the ones that either game day or sports center show. Right, exactly. When it was announced that Chris Dawson from K-State, who I did not know his name before today, when they announced that he was interviewed by Saban, I saw people like melting down over this news. And I'm wondering how anyone could possibly even be educated on this dude. You know, like, They're not. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how do you even know if that would be a good hire or not? They judge it based on the mustache. Apparently, that's yeah. all it is. They want a good mustache. Yeah, some big pipe, you know, some pipe <laughs> snakes, and that's about it. You know, yeah. like maybe it's it's just because everybody wants the recognizable name and the recognizable face and Aaron Feld from Oregon, and they're not going to be happy unless it's him. And like yeah, I'll that, I'll admit that was the first guy that came to mind for me when the Scott Cochran news dropped, and, and that would be the one guy, like li- literally the only guy that would really move the needle for the fan base. Yeah, but I think you're getting more of a public persona with him than you are the interior side of it. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, that's why a move like that would make sense, though, because of the times we live in now versus five years ago. You know, it's that marketing, that branding of that person and what that person does. No different than Northwestern and their medium coach, you know? Yeah. Their strength and conditioning coach, if he coughed too hard, his shirt's going flying. Like <laughs> that was the second guy that popped in my mind too. But yeah, it's, like here. it's a recognition thing. Yeah, uh, that, that's like purely just that, and it's because of the shirt that guy wears, and it's because of Aaron Feld's mustache, and that's why I know who those two guys are. And that's exactly why the fan base is pissed if it's never any one of those because that's all they know. Yeah. So, but at the end of the day, I just hope. Scott Cochran stays around in Athens long enough for there to be a blackout for any game. I don't care who it is because irony has come full circle of massive, of massive levels at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That video will, will resurface for sure. Uh, But look, I'm sitting here as someone who could not come up with 10 names when I was trying to list strength and conditioning coaches. So I'll defer to Nick Saban on this one. Uh, 
We did want to bring up the undefeated baseball team as well, Brad. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Doing big things out there. You know that. Now, I, I, granted, I, I remember this time last year. Yeah. You know, we had our good pal Roger Myers and Will uh, Elliott on the show, uh-huh. and we talked about. You know, at that time, I believe they were thirteen and zero. They had played a lower level of competition, but at the same time, it, you wanted to see exactly what they did, regardless of the competition. Um, and then the season kind of fell off the rails for a little while. We had a, some streaks of injury. Um, but overall, I, I saw progress throughout that season, and I think that's why it's it's no it's no term of luck why they're undefeated again right now, sitting at nine and zero going into a three game series this weekend against Harvard. It feels like the freshman class this year. I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. It feels like the freshman class is the real deal. Like this, this is the difference this year. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the recruiting class that was you know actually signed. And even the ones that did go pro, it, it was incredible to land what we did on paper. And then to still bring in what we did from that class that didn't go pro, and you look at what they're doing right now and how they're contributing, I mean, it, it's it's awesome. And also you have Sam Prater back this year. I mean, that's mm-hmm. if he can stay healthy, God, I hope this season, it, it sets the tone for the next two to three seasons to be exactly what it, it should be, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I could be wrong here. Um, you know, I'm not a baseball guru by any means, but this sort of has the feel to like the, that 08 class for the football team to like this is really the start of something special. And I'm still sold on Coach Bo, by the way. I knew like what the rebuilding job that he had ahead of him and that it, it was going to take a minute. And I, I think this is the year that we're going to kind of start. We'll, we'll start to see it really trending in the direction that he's he's taking the program. Yeah, you know, it, it's an endless joke that I'll continue to make. You know, it's nice that people have faith in a Brad. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it, I think this one's going to deliver, and uh, I agree with you. I think this is the culmination of the perfect setting with the right coach, the right recruits, the right atmosphere. We didn't build this new stadium for no reason. So yeah. uh, I, I think it, it takes one full season to kick the tires, and this season could be that if things go our way. All right, moving on to Nate Oates and the basketball program. Oh, let's get ugly. (laughs) John Petty goes down with an early injury at Mississippi State on Tuesday. Alabama loses a close one. Their tournament hopes are fading. I read a stat saying that after Tuesday, they've now had a total of 94 games missed by either starters or key reserves. 94. How do you overcome that? Yeah, I don't care if somebody's a fog or not. You got to look at just how cursed it comes to injuries in Tuscaloosa. I mean, it's incredible. And, and then the fact that yeah. you look at Starkville, we want to talk about kicking Missouri out of the SEC. Hell no. At this point, we got to legitimately have a conversation about Mississippi State going somewhere else. <laughs> God, of all people to go down on Tuesday, John Petty. I mean, the, the one of the two guys that they really could not afford to go down at this point in the season. This is quickly, to me, becoming a season of what ifs and what could have been. Think about everything that has happened to this program. We talked on this show about how big – we thought the commitment of James Rojas was at the time. I know you remember that. Gosh. He signed as a top five Juco player in the country, a guy that can play the four and possibly the five in, in a role like Alex Reese plays at times. He goes down with a torn ACL before the year starts. The top incoming freshman, Jawan Gary, who I love as a prospect, by the way, and who I think would have earned a, a lot of minutes this season, he goes down with a torn ACL. Javon Quinterly 
former McDonald's All-American, who the staff was confident on getting a waiver from the NCAA for, was ruled ineligible. All of that happened before the season even started or was just a few games in on the the Quinterly ruling. But just those three things are a lot for any program to take on. Well, then you you start talking about the actual injuries to your roster that was, you know, the true roster. Uh, I mean, you can't catch a break. It it was – it's almost you can't make it up. And that almost is fitting for the potential versus the reality of Alabama basketball, especially when you roll into February. I I still think there's a lot of bright moments to take out of this. But what I take away from what just happened with Alabama running or former Alabama running back Jerome Ford, he got a waiver approved to go play at Cincinnati after he transferred out a couple months ago. (laughs) Yeah. And for what reason? For playing time, basically. Yeah. Yeah. If if there's never been a more two faced, doesn't know their butt from a hole in the ground option in this world, it is the NCAA and this transfer rule with the uh, waivers and everything. I, I just. I don't know how you ever fix that. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's literally, I feel like they have a, a, a circle that they spin and throw an arrow at that has yeses and nos printed <laughs> yeah. all over it, you yeah. know. But then look, like the, there's the injuries during the season that you kind of brought up. They played a role as well. There have been several guys miss like one and two games throughout the year, but Herb Jones, undoubtedly uh, the best defender on the team, goes down in one of the most pivotal points of the year. He misses the, the Arkansas and Tennessee games. They lost those two games by a combined five points. He's been playing on a with a cast on his hand since. And and making a difference, by the way, even without being able to contribute basically at all on offense. And, and look, losing Petty Tuesday was a backbreaker in a close game. So those are three games right there where key guys missed time, a significant time that probably, in my mind, are the difference in winning and losing those games. No, I agree. Dude, we've lost more bigs than you could ever <laughs> even dream to lose and still compete. And yet this team still does just that. Yeah. But I mean, there is a bright, you know, moment too as well. Let's look at what Shackelford's been doing, you know, with the more playing time that he gets so far. Yeah. Shackelford is uh, I I kind of sent this out the other day. Shackelford, if he stays for 4 years at Alabama, one he has a chance to be the all-time scoring leader. By the way, he's very, very much on pace for that. He has a chance to become one of those guys that 15, 20 years from now, you look back and he's one of those first guys that pops in your mind. Like a like a Chris Lofton for Tennessee. Like when I think of Tennessee basketball and like 10, 15 years ago, however long it was, like who would be that first name to pop in my mind? It would be Chris Lofton because of the shooter that he was and how good he was and how miserable he was to play against. Jaden Shackelford has a chance to be that guy. Dude, that's how, you know, like to me, I relate back to you go to the Steel Brothers. Yeah. To me, that that's an instantaneous time. You know, that time frame, I think of them. Yeah. Um, you know, because they did what they did when they were needed. And at times, they just excelled in the moment. Certainly has not been all negatives this year. But s- some of this has been self-inflicted as well. Uh, oh. you, you go back to the first game of the season. There are two games that really stand out to me. The first game of the season you get Kyra at the line at the end of regulation against Penn. If he hits one, he ties, he hits two, they win. He's a guy that's shooting nearly 80%, and he misses both to lose to a Penn team that is currently 162nd in the net rankings. That's a significant loss right now for a bubble team. I mean, that that hurts them right now. 
And then the yeah, but the uh, yeah, go ahead. The, the the underlying point of that though, I mean that that coupled with the record, regardless in February in the last five eight mm-hmm. years, I mean until you change those two things from free throws to February records, I don't care who's playing and who's coaching. Yeah. It's going to be what it is. Yeah. Then they blow a twenty-one point lead at Florida. Those two games are. Uh, even with all that has gone wrong on the injury front and the Quinterly ruling, that's the difference in being in the tournament and being out of it right now. No, but it's still been fun. Don't get me wrong. It has. I mean, oh, yeah. lo- losing's not fun, but there's when you look at the bottom line, it's it's a promising season still if you choose to recognize that. And it's been fun. As, it, it's just been really fun seeing us be able to be as productive as we are to overcome certain things and be our own worst enemy at times, but – another game or two down the road, correct those things as well. Yeah, with everything that has gone wrong and everything that's worked against Alabama, they're still 39th in the net rankings, which means they, they still have a shot to make the tournament. Now, it's not it's no shoe and I'd say it's less than 50% at this point. They have to win their final three regular season games if they even want a chance. And they probably need to win a couple in Nashville as well. But what's great about the conference tournament this season is I feel like outside of Vanderbilt, basically, it would not shock me if any other team won it. So maybe they can get Petty healthy by then and put together a run in Nashville. It's possible, I think, for 13 teams to do that. Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if there's any other team that is as bipolar when it comes to max ceiling and low floor as Alabama this season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I looked up a uh, team rankings does what they call a luck rating or a luck ranking (laughs) for every team in college basketball. They go one to 353. They analyze and rank every team from luckiest to unluckiest. Where do you think Alabama? All right, there's 353 teams in college basketball. Where do you think Alabama is in that ranking? Oh, my God. Uh, it's got to be sub 250. <laughs> oh, it's sub 250. Yeah, it's 327th. Oh, yeah. Well, we're in like what the the 92nd percentile. <laughs> yeah. That's good for last in the SEC. You will never guess who has a top five luck ranking right now. Oh, buddy, <laughs> I, I can smell the black magic from here coming out of the plains down there in West Georgia. <laughs> oh yeah, fourth in the country, the Sweat uh. Hog. Ah. Like how how I just you know it is what it is. That's fine. They're they're a cult for a reason. Would it ever it be any different? Would it ever no. be any different than that? Of course. No. It would only be A and M if anything. So Alabama's by far last in the SEC in the luck ranking. There's a couple of websites that that do the luck ranking. Kim Kim Palm does his as well, and Alabama's basically sitting in the same spot. So all right. Well, it was good to be back recording. This has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.